isn't it great and awesome that we have two pastors now? Not one, but two. Not, I'm, not, I'm not discounting Brother Darrell. But two pastors' wives who stand up in front of us each week and share their love of God with us. Chris, thank you so much. Uh, that, that is neat to see. Uh, I've been in churches where you wonder where the pastor's wife was. And it's kind of exciting to see that our, our pastor's wives stand up. I do ask for your prayer this morning for a couple reasons. I got a call late yesterday afternoon and asked me if I'd bring the message this morning. There's something that I do not do, and that is I do not have a box to sermon. I do not have something waiting in the background because I don't know what the Lord wanted me to say today. When I, talk, when I took the call yesterday, the wife says, well, what are you going to preach on? I go, probably be ready in season and out of season. Uh, it's been a busy time for me. Two weeks ago, I got asked to go to Faith Marissa and preach down there. I hadn't been there in a long time. Uh, this past Monday, I had a great experience that I was asked to come to the church in Hillsborough, Illinois, Calvary Baptist Church, where I got saved in 1966, and speak to the Bible school class about what a disaster relief chaplain does. And I thought, this is so cool. I've been praying for years that I get to speak at Calvary Baptist Church in Hillsboro. And I got so humbled when I got there, because you know what? I realized it was because of ladies in a summer Bible school that took their time to tell me about Jesus that I got saved. And I shared that with those young people, how people took their time for me to tell me about Jesus. And then today, or yesterday, I got the call to do this. And I thank God for the opportunity. I need you to pray for me, personally. My health has kind of been going south. This past week's been a rough week for me. Oh yeah, plus... Friday, we got called out to go to Lake, uh, Lake County, Illinois, because of the flooding. So I'm on standby as chaplain to leave there tomorrow morning. I don't know if I'm going or not yet, because the water's not going down. But uh, pray for me this morning uh, as I bring this message. I thank you for that last song, because isn't that what it's all about? I, you don't need to hear from me. You need to hear from God. Hear what he has to say this morning. If you would, turn with me to the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, beginning in verse 22. Before that, for an intro, I got thinking about this. Do you ever really sit back and think about how many times in the Scripture God gives people commands and they don't do it? Repeatedly. And you're thinking, are you an idiot or what? Adam and Eve, all they simply had to do is what? Leave the apple alone. But no, they couldn't do it, could they? Even Moses didn't follow God's command. We read in Exodus 17, 6, that God told Moses to hit the rock once, and when it does, the water will pour forth for the multitudes. But later in Numbers 20, 18 through 12, we read, how because of his anger about the people, God told Moses simply to speak to the rock. And when you do that, water will come out. But because of his anger of the people and how they were not following God, guess what he did? He didn't follow God's command. 
And instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? He struck it, not once but twice. Why? Because of his heart, he was angry. But God still blessed the people. And the water poured out. But because of that, Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land. But we don't want to leave the New Testament out. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? I can see now the tears flowing down Christ's face. They said it was like blood. And he told his disciples just one simple command, and what was that? Simply to do what? Stay awake. Pray for me as I go through this. And he came back to them, and guess what? They were asleep. He goes, can't you even stay awake for me? And he goes back deeper in the garden again. The time he says, not my will, but what? Yours be done. And he comes back again, and guess what? They were asleep. Simple commands. Simple commands. Before we go to the scripture today, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Lord, as in that last song, I pray that your words be spoken today. Lord, that lives might be changed because of not this sinful poor man that falls short so much, but because of your spirit and your word. Lord, we lift you up. We give this time to you. And in everything, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we start our text today, I want to back up here a little bit. I apologize, the medicine makes me really thirsty. I'm going to go back up to verse 16. Just read with me here. Acts 17, verse 16, it says, While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, who is he waiting for? Silas and Timothy to come to him. It says his spirit was troubled within him when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews, so he went to church, and with those who worship God, and in the marketplace. He went out into the world, out in the place of business, with who's happened to be, and whoever was happened to be there. Then also some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers argued with him. Some said, what is this pseudo-intellectual trying to say? They were the intellectuals. Have you seen that in our world today? Where so many times you hear the intellectuals saying those Christians don't know really what's going on. And they look down upon us. They look down upon Paul too. He said, they said, okay, others replied, he seems to be a preacher of a foreign deity because he was telling the good news about Jesus and about a resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you're speaking of? For what you say sounds strange to us, and we want to know what these ideas mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something. I did this text because you realize Paul was in the very same place I was last night. He was just teaching in the city. And all of a sudden they said, hey, we want you to come. And we want you to speak. 
And Paul used the power of the Holy Spirit to tell these people what they needed to hear, what they needed to know. So let's start today. And that is in verse 22. It says, Then Paul stood in the middle of the Oropagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious. I want to make this the first point. I've learned as I've gone out as a chaplain, many people don't have a problem with the world. They have a problem with religion. That means they put their trust in the religion, not their trust in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So the very first point that Paul makes to these people is, I see that you're religious. I see that you have those around you that you worship. Verse 23, Paul says, For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was ascribed to an unknown God. Paul challenged their knowledge. He said, therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Now think about what he just said to these men. These were the learned of the time. If you wanted to learn philosophy, if you wanted to learn the science of the time, you went here. These were the learned men of the time. And what's Paul tell them? Outright. To their face. He says, men of Athens... I see that you're extremely religious in every aspect. But I even, he talks about the altar. But then, therefore, what you worship in ignorance, thou I proclaim to you. You think he used that word specifically? I think so. He had just challenged them down to their core of what they believed. That's pretty neat. Paul never backed up, did he? Never backed up from a fight. It didn't matter where Paul was. He spoke the truth that could do what? Set you free. Second point then Paul makes is in verse 24. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it. And I want to stop right there. He couldn't go any farther with them until they first had an understanding of what? Who God was. Many people will jump right into religion, jump right into joining, jump right into being part of an organization. But Paul had to bring them to the point that they understood who God was. He told them, through his message, that God is the Alpha and the Omega. He says here, he's the one who made what? The world and what? Everything in it. Now, a lot of those men had never heard that before. They had never heard of a God who created the heavens and the earth. A God who was responsible for everything that they had, including themselves. And then next, I put a little comma there. I said, the God who made the world and everything in it, 
He is Lord. He had to express to those people the importance of God. And that God isn't something, but God is what? Everything. Until a person comes to the knowledge of who God is, they can't come to a point of understanding what salvation is. He brought them to the point of saying that the God I know of, the God that you're talking about, the unknown God, I'm telling you, He is the God of everything. Not only is He a God of everything, He is Lord. No, those people didn't want to hear that. They had control of everything. They knew everything. And he just got done telling them who God was and what God could be in their life. And that not only is God creator of everything, but he is the Lord. The Lord of your life. Now, I looked up the definition, because I always like looking up what the world says. The dictionary says the definition of The Lord is someone or something having power, having authority, and having influence. That person is a master or ruler. So when he told them that God is the Lord of your life, he meant it and he told them exactly what it was. Lord of what? He said, of heaven and earth, and does not live in shrines made by hands. See, they always had to what? They had to see something. They had to come up to something, stand before something. Many religions today still are the same way. They have their shrines. They have their Buddhas. They have whatever that they come before and they worship. But my God is nowhere else but right here. And right here. We do not need to go any farther than just opening our heart to Him. We need no shrines. We have God. Verse 25. Neither is He served by human hands as though He need needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath over all things let me tell you a secret people god does not need us you understand that god does not need us he is the creator of all things god is not human he is not anything we can imagine he's god not God is not obligated to any man. God gives everyone what? Our life. And our breath is what God gives us. Paul's point is, whether a person accepts it or not, God is Lord of their life. You understand that? God is your Lord, whether you've accepted him as Lord and Savior. He controls everything that happens in your life. It's up to do us what we do with it. You know, I'm no fool. He allowed me the opportunity to serve here this morning. There's plenty of people who could have came here today. 
but he gave me the opportunity to share his word. And because of that, what do I get? I get a blessing. I get a blessing. God allows us. He is the Lord. He doesn't have to do anything. But he asks us to be part of his family. He asks us to share in the responsibility. He asks us to do missions for him. Why? Because he needs us? No. Because he wants us to share in the blessing. Share in the blessing. Verse 26. From one man he made everything nationally to live under the whole earth. Now he's getting to the point he wanted to get them to. And that is about Jesus. He said, From one man he made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed time and the boundaries of where they live. From one man, everything was created. Do you understand who that one man was? That was Jesus. He created the heavens and the earth. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. It was God the Father that created everything, brought it into, into order. I am, you know, it is great for us to understand that from one man, all this has existed. He has made what? Everything. Listen. Jesus has placed us at this time and at this place. Do you understand that? That's what Paul said. He has made every nationality live under the whole earth. He has determined their appointed times and boundaries where they live. He put us here for now. He gives us a task to do. Verse 27, why did he do this? He did this so they might seek God. And perhaps they might react, reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He did this, why, Paul said? So each one of us might seek him. When we have things that come into our lives, needs, wants, we take them to God. Why? Because that's what He wants us to do. He wants us to want Him. He wants us to be part of Him emotionally, relationship-wise. So they might reach out. In this, Paul says, God has created everything, and through one man, there is a way to come to this understanding. He did this so they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find him, <clears throat> though he is not far from each of us. The only distance between my God and him is what I put there. That's the only thing. The only thing that keeps you from being closer to God is things in your life that separate you from him. 
and he calls us out to just throw it away. Give it to him. Why? Because he's in control anyway. He's the Lord of your life whether you want him to be or not. It's only trusting him and giving him your life that we come to understand him. Verse 28 and 29 says, For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Being God's offspring then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. I almost called you, Chris, and asked you if you could do the song, In You, Lord. Because that's what this is all about. Being in the Lord, being in His presence, being part of His family, being part of the knowledge of who we are, knowing that He is the Lord. That when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, that means, okay, you were before, but now I'm trusting you to do what you said you do. We are to worship God, not the things of, that God has created. God is the importance, not the idols that men make and make so important. And then I like the way Paul closed. In verse 30, he has the word, therefore. So, okay, ready? This is what I'm bringing you to, he says. <clears throat> Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, excuse me, therefore, having overlooked the time of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. He has set a day. He has set a day. God commands us to do what? One thing. One thing he asks us to do, and what is that? Repent. Remember in the beginning when I talked about commands that God gives? Why did Adam and Eve eat the apple? You know, these simple things that we thought was so silly. Well, isn't it silly to see the life of God being played out before us and we aren't willing to repent? Now, I shared with you earlier how I was saved back in 1966 in Calvary Baptist. And yes, that day I repented of my sins as a 12-year-old and I gave my life to the Lord. But doesn't the Lord call us to repent every day? Every day? I have people in this auditorium I need to apologize to. Because of my health, I have an improper attitude sometimes. I don't want it, but I have it. It makes me feel so ashamed. It's something I need to repent of and work on and strive towards. In closing, I ask, how would Paul see our city if he walked in it today? If you go back when I first started reading, it said, while Paul was waiting with them in Athens, his spirit was troubled within him when he saw the city was full of idols. You know what? 
I think if Paul walked into Waterloo today, he'd be troubled. Really do. I think he'd be troubled. I could see him though, couldn't you? Where's the first place Paul would go? I could see him walking into town because he walked everywhere, right? I see him walking right into Waterloo. He would go right in the middle of the city, right? So that puts him right where? On Courthouse Square, the point of government. And he would start speaking out. Then after that, where would he go? Think about it. Where would Paul go next? I could see him standing in front of the high school. Couldn't you? Where everybody learns. And I could hear him out by the flagpole saying, Praise God, Jesus is Lord. That's pretty special. He wouldn't be ashamed, would he? He would be there proclaiming Jesus, and he wouldn't worry about what the school would say because he had been in jail before. Then I could see one of the teachers. Do we have, anybody, we have teachers here besides my daughter who just became a teacher? <coughs> Any teachers here? I could see one of the teachers or maybe even one of the students say, hey, Brother Paul, could, could you come to our church and speak? Because I'd like for them to what? I'd like for them to hear this. Come to our church. And then... I can see Paul standing here, looking at each one of us. And I could, I could hear his voice. He's, he would say, you know, I've seen what you've built here. It's great. It's nice. I like the lights. You know, I, I like your programs you have here. You know, they're great. A lot of teaching goings on. That's good. I'm afraid he would say, though, to us, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Why? So he would stir something up in us to bring passion to our Christianity. To lift us up to where he is. If you only worship here, you have made this place your idol. You understand what I'm saying? Because I've seen that. So many people come to church on Sunday and they do their hour. They go to Sunday school a couple hours. But outside this building, what? Nothing. There might as, we, might as well be a golden idol on this altar, Paul would say, if that's what this building is to you. We are called to go out into a lost world, not to come to church on Sunday. We're called to go out and find those that need Him in their lives. You need God, he would say. God commands all people, he said, to what? Repent. And that's what Paul would call us to do. Because why? Yeah, I didn't read the end. 
it says, because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world <coughs> and, and <coughs> excuse me, he is going to judge the world in righteousness by a man he appointed. And who is that man? Jesus Christ. There's a day we're going to come to. Each one of us. There's a day coming when it says every knee will what? Bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Paul would tell us that. Today, He is your Lord. But you can voluntarily give Him your life. He is going to... It says he has set a day when he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has proved, he has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So Paul says, you know guys, I know you're very learned. I know what you believe and what you believe. I know you probably didn't listen to half of what I said. He goes, listen, God commands you, not me, not Brother Steve when he preaches, not Greg or Chris when they proclaim the word through the song, but God commands us, if we're lost, to repent and turn from our evil ways. Why? So we can give our life to Him. We can give our hearts to Him. Why? So He might become greater? No. That we might be lifted up and blessed. Have you experienced the Lord in your life? Or are you just playing religion? Because, you know, if you come to church just because it's church, or just because somebody told you when you're young it's a thing to do, I'm scared of that. You understand? I'm scared of those who maybe grew up in church, came every Sunday, went forward one day, and gave their life. God, they said, but it was really just church. I'm scared for that person. That they don't understand it's not a religion, but it's a personal relationship with God. God now commands. He doesn't ask. He doesn't say, well, if you get around to it or whatever. Like all those others, God gives us a simple command, and that is to repent. Today is the day of repentance. Today is a day we can clean up our heart, right? We can get our lives right. We need to do that on occasion, don't we? We need to get our lives right and realize that the church isn't the answer. God is the answer. The church is a tool God uses to get us closer to Him. But if we make it an idol, it'll destroy our lives. We need to get our lives to God and give Him the blessing. Let Him bless us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here, and I thank you for allowing me to serve you, even though I'm just a sinner saved by grace. 
Lord, we thank you so much for your love and your kindness. We thank you so much for Jesus Christ who gave us an open door that we might have a personal relationship with you. Without him shedding his blood on Calvary, we wouldn't even have the opportunity. Paul shared with a lost world and with the church also how they must make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life and that each one of us needs to repent either repent to a point of salvation or to repent to get our life right where we fall short daily and everything Lord and everything we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name.